This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warner, a UX designer based in New York City, and my co-host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co-founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe. And for now, let's dive in to today's episode of Design Huddle. So guys, we have an amazing guest today. He has a really interesting background and really why me and Ryan wanted to bring him on today is because he has a very interesting perspective on his journey from, you know, where he started to working at both Facebook and Google to then jumping off into his own venture and owning now an organization called Tuna. All right, guys, you know what it is. This is Design Huddle. This is a podcast where we talk about the best ways to get to that next level in your design career. We talk about everything from graphic design, product design, personal branding, tech trends, and interview with some of the best thought leaders in the industry today. Guys, we are your hosts. My name is Brandon Gross, a designer and digital strategist for Fortune 500s, here with Ryan Warner, UX designer based in New York City. So guys, we have an amazing guest today. He has a really interesting background and really why me and Ryan wanted to bring him on today is because he has a very interesting perspective on his journey from, you know, where he started to working at both Facebook and Google to then jumping off into his own venture and owning now an organization called Tuna. I'm not going to spill the beans on all of this. I'm going to let him talk about himself and Ryan and I are going to really probe him with awesome questions to basically get a level set of what has allowed him to pull himself not only through the hardships in his journey, but also what allowed him to be able to work at Facebook, Google, and now have the audacity to do the badass shit he's doing now on his own. So with that, please help us in bringing on who I would like to call The Rock, but his his handle is called This Is Rock, but I really think he needs to rename it. So help us in joining and applauding Rock onto Design Huddle. What's going on, my man? <laughs> Woo! Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yes. Thank Thanks you for, for joining. 100%. Yeah, that intro was killer, man. Yeah, oh Brendan. God. Brendan's, like, known for his, uh, his, his long, like, epic soliloquy intros. So. Soliloquy. I don't even know what that means. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, we will talk about my vocab in another episode. We'll totally have... What I can actually spell in a whole nother uh, design huddle session. So, Rock, give us a little bit of your background. You know, I kind of level set it in regards to your 
professional, you know, expertise. Like you've taught, you've worked with some of the top of the top, but bring us back before who was rock before we touched Facebook and Google. I really want you to uh, paint the picture for our audience here in terms of where you started, how you got into design, and then we'll jump into the fortune big dogs and then where you are today so all right so i mean this uh my story starts really far away i am from bogota colombia and yeah it, it really it really i think it's really uh the beginning is when uh i immigrated to the united states both uh, my parents and my sister and uh, i think that's kind of where it starts marking bec- uh, like my story as a designer and uh, as an entrepreneur uh, as an artist perhaps because uh, before that, I wanted to be a basketball player. <laughs> so it doesn't count. Uh, and when I come here, I, um, I come here, I immigrated just like a lot of people from Latin America and it started from zero, right? Uh, to in Fort Lauderdale, a school for, for, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, shout out to Sunrise, Florida, if anyone is here listening from there, right? <laughs> yeah, shout outs are more than welcome. We we uh we're, we've been known to give mid mid podcast shout outs all the time. So. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad I I'm glad I took the risk. <laughs> I could have been kicked out, <laughs> <laughs> deleted, and <laughs> yeah. So it basically started there, and and the beginning was me not knowing not knowing how to speak English, and the teachers not knowing where to place me for my like um elective class in high school so they just put me in art classes every single quarter uh on high school and uh from there i just started falling in love with being able to express myself through drawing and painting and i think that's where it starts things so the start not knowing how to speak english teachers push you then into art and then you were like you know what i am a g with this (laughs) paintbrush and (laughs) yeah but i think it's i think it's really interesting because what I do today is, is very about expressing myself and expressing the need of others through visual cues. And that's what I was learning how to do right since I came to the United States. You know, so that's where really my training starts for as a designer. Yeah, and you know what's funny is when you're in school and like when you're in high school, I used to love all of my elective like art courses. I took a lot too, like, you know, whether it was design and then I got into graphic design. I never really thought of those classes as a career. I always just thought of it as like, that's like a, that's a class in between like math and science. So I think like now I, I'm loving that, you know, younger generations are seeing these classes as like, if that's what you're passionate about and that's what you love, like go all in on it and just kind of keep getting better and better. But um, I totally agree with the expressive, with the expressive piece, like Absolutely. just being, finding something that a medium that you can express what you're passionate in is great. So that story really resonates with me and I'm sure it'll resonate with a lot of the Absolutely. Artists. Yeah. And, and basically because of that, I started drawing, I started painting, I started like really hustling since really early on, started putting myself out there uh, and got my, my paintings in a couple, uh, in a couple contests here and there. And it really started like building up my senior year. I really started to like, like really, really promote myself and, and try to get to art shows and really like, oh yeah, uh, really hustling in school because it actually led me to a scholarship uh, in SCAD. Um, and that's 
and you know like a person with like really little resources that was just like a treasure that was like gold um and it was like pretty amazing to get to see like that a coincidence of not knowing how to speak english but like really wanting to like express myself kind of led me to something so tangible as going being able to go to school uh, for design so from it seems very smooth. You're like, <laughs> it seems like, you know what? I couldn't speak English, so they dropped me in the art classes. I fucked everybody up in the art class because I know my way around the pencils. And um, then you started hustling in high school to college, being able to then go to SCAD. And you just you just tore it up in SCAD too, and then you were like, pop, pop, Facebook, Google. What no, was, no, what happened? It, it was, it, no, I'm seeing <laughs> beautifulness. I no. know. Give us the, the nitty gritty. What? So okay, what so so instead? here's 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 the thing. I landed here tenth grade to twelve, and um, and I I had just enough opportunity to get enough credits to get to college, and my English was just enough to get enough reading and writing to qualify for a school, and um, essays, uh, applications, all of that. It was it was a, a really a big struggle. It was like like I I joined this like uh, theater group, <laughs> and everyone in theater in classes was like helping me out with like essays, with like writing applications, because because I I was I was here when I was like fifteen, and that like I didn't have a lot of time to learn all the American nuances of how to apply to college. So it was a real hustle back then, and then just not counting that 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 like you know e- economics were really harsh uh, in my family i mean we just arrived here so so i had to work i had to help out and uh, it was like a big challenge for sure no i just i always wanted to to, to highlight like the positive uh but what was like what was like some of the side jobs that you had because a lot of people like you know had some like i painted houses when i was in high school like i had like i was outside all summer sitting up on the roof like painting houses so I think it's funny like I'd love to hear like you know what, what did you do for to make money you know before you jumped into a full profession, profession. yeah other uh, other than helping my dad in construction I had like two jobs when I was in high school one was uh, my neighbor my neighbors they like help me help us out so much our neighbors uh, this guy like built computers for companies and he told me if you help me rebuild my fence I'll give you a computer uh, and I, I, I needed I needed that. Uh, and okay, the computer I got was one of those big machines with like the monitor, like huge and like a big, like, I mean, it wasn't a, like a, yeah, it, like takes up, takes up half the room. Oh yeah. It was like, uh, like Enigma machine type of thing, like <laughs> pretty, like pretty old school. Um, but anyways, I like helping, uh, rebuild the fence and I, th- and I think we threw in, uh, the, the, the concrete floor <laughs> of the porch. Uh, but that was kind of like the, the gift for me. <laughs> And then the second job that jumps out was uh, I was to like grab a couple buses from my house in Fort Lauderdale to this big warehouse, like really remote. And it was like no air conditioning, a bunch of like fans. And we had to like basically we get each person would get a bunch of uh, newspapers in sections, huge, huge pallets of newspaper in sections. And my job was to like take each sections and put it inside another one you know how like the like the the newspapers stack up like yeah, one yeah, inside yeah. inserted into the other one and like that would be like five cents so like at the end of the day if you do like it was like really really hard and you have like all these pallets but it was like i mean 
it, this place, uh, most of most of the people there were undocumented immigrants, and it was like really hot, and you would see like families everywhere from like like the little kids to like the grandparents working on there in those like like doing the pallets, and that that marked that marked me to to say like I I want I want to do better. I don't want to stay here. Um, this was like really impactful. So those are the like two jobs that really marked me, just because one was like impactful to see. Uh, basically like what people do here in America to just hust to, to get by. And then the other one uh, gave me a computer, which was like a great tool for applications, for schools, for all this stuff. So yeah, those are the two jobs that jump out when I was here in high school. Wow. That's a lot, man. I, man <laughs> <what> don't... <laughs> I don't like, I, I can't speak for everybody, but if I were doing two jobs, two, not even like, Standing at the desk, CVS, like you're doing shit. Yeah. Um, and high school, was that like the hardest, like mentally, that you felt like you grew? Or I kind of want to fast forward to taking this. I'm asking this question. Yeah. Do you feel that was one of your hardest things mentally to get? Like, was that a milestone of mental shiftage? Yes. So then that yeah. allowed you to be able to do the, you know, the greatness that allowed you to be to get into SCAD. Have you, have you seen that movie, um, uh, Arrival? <laughs> Where, like, the aliens come, come to uh, Earth and, yeah. uh, and they, like, teach us a language? Yeah, uh, I cried during that movie. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a part in the movie where, like, they explained that when you learn a language, your brain gets uh, rewired and you basically start thinking a different way. And not only coming to America, which like as a as a person of color in Colombia, growing up admiring like like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Michael Jordan and all these like African American idols that people admired, and just getting to be here in the United States and then learning English and that just really oh yeah I learn I I land here and then I see <laughs> Barack Obama I I went to see one of his campaigns everything was like really impactful for me to see like someone like me just kind of <laughs> killing it and then that change I think that 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 hustle that hustle mentality that like wanting like that like success per uh, person that I wanted to be was getting like rewired in my brain as I was learning English so I really do think that 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 air that time of when I was in high school when I arrived to the United States I definitely had to make so many shifts, cultural shift, language shift, economic shift, um, and I, I, it really impacted me and propelled me to where I can be today. Also, I think that I, I was very, very, very lucky to meet my wife, who has helped me so much. <laughs> I can tell you about her a little later. I think that that was like one of the luckiest breaks I've ever had in my life. <laughs> All right, awesome. So let's get there. So we in SCAD, what happened? Uh, I arrived to SCAD. Um, I am a painting major, but I'm, I know that I want to change it then. And in first class, uh, the fir one of the first classes I took, I met what will become my wife. What is my wife today? She's my wife today. Oh, my English is not very good looking. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, I, I meet her in one of the classes um, and we just start working together I started learn, like basically we started like collaborating and hanging out and dating um throughout like school and I think that just uh both like what I've learned I, I still have to work a ton during my whole time in school of 
um, during that whole time I had to work, but but she and I like we worked together. I learned so much about graphic design uh, from her um, and photography and storytelling. Uh, but overall, that 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 moment was really good and lucky that that I got to be uh, with her. Uh, she like helped me and, and taught me so much during that time and and helped me see another way. Uh, she's from here, from United States. Uh, she helped me uh, see another way of thinking and. Um, I think that that's why I'm like <laughs> where I am today, one of the parts, yeah. But the whole SCAD, yeah, SCAD was really interesting. So I, I, um, I, I ended up uh, changing my major to industrial design. Uh, and, and, um, and, uh, and yeah, and that was really, really cool because at the end of my senior year, uh, we were looking at, at like jobs and careers in industrial design. And even though I was able to get like all these sponsored classes and internships in it, the job market was just rough. <laughs> uh, so me and Amy, who was uh, a uh, photography major at the time, uh, she changed to graphic design. We both shift our portfolios and start working in, in ways that we can present a UX portfolio uh, <laughs> when we graduate. So I, I love this part. So you guys basically looked at the job market, realized, hey, I'm not going to be able to find a job for what I was majoring or focusing in. You pivoted and then you build out portfolios without actually having done any no, work. No, no. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this, this comes up, this point comes up all the time. Like give me, give us an overview of how you were able to create a portfolio without actually like, you know, working with a major company. Yeah. Yeah. So basically... Um, for example, I had, um, I did have a like sponsored classes with like Coca-Cola and a company that makes cell phones. And I was able to like kind of see how they, in those classes, they were like internships, how to how, like do real work projects. So I, I, I saw the process of building something real, right? That was like one of the first important things that I, I had to apply in my portfolio. The second thing was that I had I had projects that were digital based. For example, a I had an idea of this pedicab, and we like one of my big projects for Human Factors. Uh, we built this pedicab redesigned where it, it was better ergonomics and everything. So I took that concept. I already had made so much research about all the market for industrial design, which was very similar to what I had all the research that I would have to do for some for UX. Uh, and then I like, and I started thinking, okay, what can, what, what uh, applications can I have where I can get to design a software for this? And I came up with like a, a Uber type thing for pedicabs, and I started redesigning that service around the design of the pedicab, the physical pedicab I had. Uh, similar, to, I did that with a a um, a dog vest uh, for people with uh, visual impairment. Uh, I had designed something like that. Um, there was like a physical device, but but it would connect and it would have some sort of like vibrations and like indications for people um, that uh, they would uh, communicate the dog and the person, right? And so I started like figuring out how would it be to to start thinking about that one and and because it was for uh, for impair I I think I just sketched things out of how it would work and how it would uh, how it would uh, like without like any UI so it was just like writing things down and just sketching things out of how it would work but I knew that that was UX design so I, that was kind of like in my portfolio 
is any of this stuff still live? I want to see this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, I just want... Oh my god, I think you can find a couple here things here and there in my Behance. Okay. But <laughs> it's like so, so, it's so, it's so... Please don't go there. Well, not, not people are going to go. Uh, but it's, it's really, really dated work. The other day, I got like someone for a job. Like they wanted me to hire me for, the design, for designing something. And it was based on Behance, which is like so old. And I didn't know how to like say... Because they were, okay, they liked the work and they were like, oh my God, this, this is so good. Uh, but I already hate it. It's been so long, you know, and I think as a designer, you guys can relate to like hating like a lot of the things that you do, like if time has passed. Yeah. I feel you there. My Behance is like, mm, don't touch me. But <laughs> all right. So we've talked a little about, you know, your background, SCAD, you've met your love of your life. And so to continue on your, because I really think, you know, Ryan really hit it nail on the head and I'm stealing his. Well, I'm not stealing. I'm going to give it right back to him because I know he was going somewhere. Um, <laughs> continue on. After you shifted your portfolio into UX, what happened? Because this is, I'm glad Ryan really dug into this because I think this is going to be a good um, gen for our listeners. I, I had a really good relationship with uh, the school at this point with my teachers. They knew me as a hustler. They, they knew a lot. And this is true for a lot of people, right? Like this, I wasn't the only one. A lot of the good teachers, they want to help you out. And in a lot of the design schools today, uh, they have experience, they have knowledge, they have a lot of like resources. Um, at that point, um, the, there was a lot of companies coming to the school and I got selected to interview with Google. Uh, at that point and um, that was I, I actually made a video about it because that was a really cool interview uh, where like I walked in and the person that interviewed me like was running out of time and they says I, I I'm sorry man but I don't have a lot of time I have like 10 minutes I have to go to a dinner and our like lunch and the guy was like show me something that matters <laughs> and I like and I had this portfolio all set up and everything and um, and like instead of like showing him my website or the portfolio that I had set up, I just uh, pulled up my sketchbook and I started talking about like ideas I had and like, I, I really wanted to test out whether like I, I the way I thought that my thinking was like the right fit for this career. And we ended up like designing on the go and like he like drew and sketched with me and like we were, all, we went over the time, but that was like my first kind of like view. And, uh, which, but uh, I didn't, this at that time, like I had like passed to the next round of Google, but I decided not to, to pursue it because we had like already committed to go work at an agency in Dallas, Texas. Um, but yeah, and, and which I also got by like the, the, they, the company came to the school and I just kind of like went to the presentation, introduced myself, left like a business card at the time. I think I still had and I said, hey, can I talk to you guys? I'm really interested. I know you're looking for people. And um, and yeah, and then like they they I showed them my work with my laptop and it was like very informal, but I was like I had work and then they said, hey, we would want to send you a design exercise for you to do. And that, that conversation started. That's kind of how I had my, got, I got my first official job in UX. Yeah, I think the one part that you, you touched on briefly, but your personal brand. I mean, your teachers were willing to, they basically identified you as a hustler, someone that can get it done, you know, get things done, has creative ideas. I, I like, you cannot, you know, highlight that enough. Because that is not something that a resume or a portfolio will tell you about 
about you as a person. So I think like that idea of having your personal brand bundled with, you know, something that people can view, like, you know, a portfolio is great. But uh, I just, for me that, I think that is so, so important. And that's just gets at the root of like who the person is um, and why they're a good fit for the organization. Yeah. And, and it's just that I, I think that through, like in our life, we have a lot of the opportunities um, to, to showcase that personal brand, but we often don't do it. Uh, we have those resources. We have those people around in our schools. We have those people around our work who are doing like really cool stuff. And we have the opportunity to brand ourselves and to like really share through them. Um, in for our, it, I mean, I guess like <laughs> we're describing like networking, right? Uh, but that's basically like, yeah, like showcasing like your brand in any opportunity you got. It doesn't matter if the circle is like really small or really big. Like even from high school, like I know, I know like a lot of people, like their teachers will help them get where they would need to get like to those scholarships or like to those resources just by the, the students kind of like hustling and showcasing that brand. When did you latch on to Facebook and when was the departure of the nine to five? Because we, we, we want to get to the decision of, okay, Google, bye, like <laughs> to Facebook and then really the decision to leave. So how did we get to Facebook? <laughs> well, li- leaving, okay. So I, I go to, I work at a couple agencies. I get some experience. I get some work there. I get some like hours under my belt. Um, and then I, I apply to Google. I go through the whole thing. My, my wife at this time also applies and we both get to move and start like the very, the very same, same day. The power couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so we were like nuclears the same uh, at the same time it's like pretty fun but um and I, I i started working with google translate and that part that that time like that i i said you want to get to the nitty-gritty and i i want to I, I didn't want to leave google like it was so hard right um but i so what happened i know <laughs> what <happened to> this <laughs> Well, so I, so like I had like already when I, when I interviewed, the first time I interviewed with Google, I also had interview with Facebook and I got both. So at that point I was like going to like, like after I had been working for Google for like a year, I wanted a change. I know that like early, early when we're young, we have the energy to do a lot of changes, to learn a lot about different type of things. And I really wanted to learn about social media. Uh, I think it's like a spa- an amazing space. Uh, we're still like right there in the in the golden hour of social media, like you know. So I really wanted to learn about it, and I thought like, why not? I, they already accept me. They already think I can I can do this job. Let's go. And yeah, it was really hard to leave both of those jobs. So that takes us to present day or close to present day, right? Yeah, yeah. That that takes us to present day. Hold up, hold um, up. We we skipped all over <laughs> Facebook. I need to know. I'm underlining this three times, Ryan. I need to know what you got out of social media, and then we can. Okay. I don't okay. know if it was I... the jump, and the, then okay. we'll get to the right. second jump. <laughs> See, I'm just living in the present. I'm not worried about the past. It's like, what can you? What What are you working on today? <laughs> but But fine, Brendan. I want to. I want to. I want to learn back. what he learned, and then what he left. He must have stolen like the secret right. sauce or something. Right? All right. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I learned about both companies though, because I think they were both kind of like a, a, like big, big things. Um, at Google Translate, I learned that when you're working in a company so big and, uh, with all these resources, with all this, with, with all this uh, power mm-hmm. and the ability to have so much, um, so much impact, 
a lot of the big decisions that will impact your user are so small and very, very minute. And I think that if you want, if people out there want to showcase that they know how to think and how can they incorporate and how they get to do work in like a company like Google or Facebook, or whatever, focus on the small and like get to like solve those small problems, those small interactions that make people's interactions and lives and moments so much better. Uh, those little illustrations that sometimes do, like those little one button switches, those, a lot of that, a lot of the, my time at Google and Facebook was focusing on this small and it makes so much, so much impact at the end of the day. That a lot of people, like when you like think about like in the disorganization, how many times so, uh, those interactions are touched uh, and like what those interactions might lead to, which are, could be a, like a different team or different organization, like that collaboration, that part, that being like a, a, a big part, a small part of a whole was kind of uh, like humbling and empowering at the same time. So that's one of the things that I learned about social media. I learned that uh, that is Mark really Zuckerberg stealing all y'all's. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Okay, I, I learned is is is. I learned most. I, I learned the perception, and the reality of uh, of like social media is so different. Uh, like, I, I learned that a lot of the times people think that it's like almost like this perfect machine, <laughs> they're running like smoothly, uh, and they they know every single detail. They have all this data, and they were like being so clever. And in real life, a lot of that happens um, organically without each individual knowing and realizing it. Um, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but basically uh, what I'm trying to say is like, it's very disorganized and it's really organized in that disorganization. Like all, everything comes together like very organically and normally and is very representative of how people think. But as, I, I guess a little bit more more nitty-gritty with UX, right? Now, what I, I learned in Facebook, um, the way we design there is um, in, like, in, um, in groups that uh, in like libraries that are shared. So I learned how to, how to create those libraries and how to create components and how to create design systems. And I think that applied really well for my future, for my present freelance uh, work because it allows me to work faster to multiply my efforts so that's something that like I had to learn because everyone on Facebook like just designs super super fast like even the presentations like the, the like I when I was in agencies we used to like spend so much time in all these like uh, like decks presenting like to clients and pitch decks that were beautiful and so clever and then at Facebook all the decks were like like white background and black text because like we were designing and creating so much more other stuff that like it was easier just to create white text and just show amazingness in like Flinta, in like uh, origami, right? Because you can create almost like full apps when you prototype there. And you can like, and like we were designed so fast because we had all these components and every person in the team was adding components to the whole and updating your own libraries. Ah, oh, oof, it's like collective design, <laughs> right? Woo. <laughs> love it yeah so some of those things that, that's, that's, that was like really cool uh, that, something I learned there and then most of the things that I did at Facebook was about AR uh, so I learned a lot about that very cool
Um, so from from that uh, Facebook design system, um, when you were designing your own design system for Tuna, your company, how did you approach it? And is it currently done? Or is that like the first thing you did on like day one of like, this is my new business? Can you also give an overview of what you think the business is right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I, I got inspired uh, by like... There, there are some organizations in the world that like um, adapt, change, and evolve. Um, there's some of those restaurants that become organizations and nonprofits, and that's kind of what I wanted to create. So when I decided to leave uh, like Facebook, I started freelancing and quickly realized that I need to do like other outlets because of my background, because I want, I, I want to share more. I wanted to share more stories. So uh, the overall goal is to have like uh, a set group of people that I work with to create these experiences, events, things that Tuna as an organization wants to create. Uh, it could be anything. Um, so at the beginning, the first incarnation of Tuna, just so we can like start funding a lot of the other stuff was we did like design. We helped, uh, we started doing animations for uh, startups in like Texas and uh, videos for their startups and websites. Uh, and and like, we started to kind of like working together uh, so far, two designers and one um, one project manager. And basically, like ju we just started kind of getting gigs about like anything. Um, we are like thinking uh, about like uh, shifting a little bit and starting doing some video video production because we just think this is really fun. Uh, and um, we are doing, uh, we basically are a group of people that support each other and like help each other grow and create like dope awesomeness. Um, every project uh, that we take on that they are paid, uh, we take them like super seriously and we just work like an agency. Uh, but then a lot of the other time we want to create things that are for a lot of people. I, I, I called it Tuna because Tuna is, has like two, two faces. Right, it has that tuna can that is very democratic that goes everywhere that everyone has in their homes and they can like get you out of trouble, and that is like the part of the business where we just create value for people for free. So one example of that is that we made a a, a, a channel um, called Tuna Media in YouTube, and we started making videos uh, teaching uh, how to use your your apps and your phone in Spanish. Um, and we got like really good like reviews and like people like uh, really good like feedback and a lot of people have watched it and told us how much they helped them because we started teaching how to use Google Translate or how to, t how to scan photos or documents, you know, things that are useful because the phones nowadays are so empowering. So that's the tuna can and we're going to keep doing that. Like we're going to keep creating things for people, tutorials and like um, like maybe classes and courses, things like that, that will like, that it could be endless. So that's the, the, the one part. And then the fancy tuna, you know, the fine tuna that you can buy in those fancy restaurants uh, that we all love. And um, that part of the business is that agency work. Uh, we spend a lot of time, a lot of care, uh, we spend, um, so whenever a client comes to us uh, with a problem, we try to sol solve them for them. We try to identify the right problems and then solve those. Um, and we work with them to create whatever it is. Uh, if you might need, if it comes out of, if it's out of our scope, we either try to grow at that for that project or try to like find someone else that can help you out. But we've been working that way. So that's kind of like what a business is. is 
and it's hard because we've made money but i'm having a lot of fun so it's kind of hard to like call it a business yet but i know it is so with all that said from beginning to end and through your entire journey what is it that you think has allowed you and is continuing continuing to allow you to execute the way that you are whether or what you're doing and your team like what has allowed you to continue doing what you're doing whether it be mental or technical expertise like if you can name two things that you 100 like if you lost it whether it's the way that you think or a technical skill if you lost these two things tomorrow or in the next hour what are the, those two things that not only you yourself used to to execute every day but something that also you know the people listening to this they can actually go out and refine themselves to possibly um or hopefully not possibly the people would be like possibly what you talking about brandon but ho- you know hopefully be able to gain these two things to be able to get what they want out of their career so i guess okay so this uh i think these both things okay one of them i would say is like problem solving slash slash sketching <laughs> i i i i lump these two together because sketching is like my most fluent way of problem solving um i would encourage everyone to find their most the most their most fluent ways to solve problems and just really become an expert on that so Um problem solving through sketching has been really really good in all of the jobs I've had. It's allowed me to like to take complex um ideas and put them in a way that people can understand around me. They are the people that work with me, those engineers or those like stakeholders that perhaps will go will say go ahead. Uh, it allowed me has to to tell better stories in my day to day for uh in in work so sketching like if i lost my ability to sketch uh or, or like to express that problem solving uh, i'm sure like if i didn't sketch i will express it some something else but for now i wouldn't want to lo- lose my ability to sketch and to be able to like like solve problems quickly and to iterate like many many ideas and to get out get get out there and just be able to be as creative as possible because sometimes in the computer is like so much more constraints you know you're designing these screens and stuff but on paper or an iPad like just sketching i can just draw outside even outside of outside of the cell phone and really really sell those ideas or really really like understand how like users go through so i think like my ability to to solve problems to really focus on like what one needs to be resolved through sketching would be like one of this one of those skills and then i think that the second thing that i wouldn't like to lose and i did for a little bit was like um like being on the edge of like being afraid um basically like i i i i always like with this with tuna with with like you being on youtube with being on instagram that i've been like being like really really like 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 a lot of these new things that i'm doing right now are scary <laughs> and for a long time for a few years i was very cozy <laughs> i was very cozy and i got to like be like super comfortable and have like the best gear and all the stuff and like all the paycheck and uh being like freelance being stuff is just scary and i i didn't like that because when i got cozy i kind of kind of got com- compliant and i didn't i i didn't feel like as i i grew as much 
as I am doing now. Like, like the first couple of months of Tuna, like our first project, the, our, our first paid project, all this stuff, leading a team, uh, just being doing my own taxes. A lot of those things have been big challenges and are scary. And I used to like be always on the edge. I always used to push myself to be to be right there where I'm like kind of afraid, kind of uncomfortable. And now that's where I am today. And I don't want to let it go again. Like I want to always gonna keep myself there because that's where I I fail the most, which means I learn the most. And that's where I like have the most fire in me. Uh, so I think like, you know, getting compliant a few years back was kind of like a, a wake up call. And that's something that I don't want to lose today. That, that, that walking on, on fear. <laughs> I don't know how to express it. Yeah. No, you've expressed it greatly. I really like that. Thank you for taking the, the time um, to, to elaborate on that. I think that's going to be a big piece when we do the, the recap here. But as I am writing my notes, Brian, is there is there anything, because we're very close, and I want to wrap up so we can go through, we've gone through a lot of good things, um, and I want to recap, but before I do that, is there anything, Ryan, that you want to go back into or touch on in the now? Yeah, I guess my, my, my last, I have kind of like a two, two-part question. Number one is like, what's your one piece of advice that you would leave everyone listening to this podcast today? And then my, my second piece is for you is... Uh, you know, what, where do you see yourself like five or 10 years from now? Like, where do you want your business to be? What, what are you going to be doing? Okay. Wow. So those are like two really good questions. I guess my first, uh, the first question where well, the first was like an advice for anyone to live here on the podcast. I say, um, I say, okay, have fun. <laughs> I think that the best thing, the most honest advice I can tell anyone listening and uh, is, is, is to have fun and, and try to like, find the joy on like, a lot of the things that you do because a lot of the times uh, I've lived through it can be very stressful and deadlines and money and things that are like, hard. Uh, but having, like, when you're having fun, you just do better work. I love that. Simple, sweet, but I think everyone can relate to that. And then the the second question was about what, you know, future, what, what, 10 years from now, what are you doing? What's motivating you? What's making you happy? Yeah. Okay. 10 years from now, I want to become a, a, <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to embarrass myself here. I want to be like a, like a, like a mashup of Casey Neistat with uh, Gary V. <laughs> a little bit of Oprah, you know, like just kind of like put it together like that. <laughs> just... If you can make that happen, you'll be in very good shape, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I want to, I, I, okay, I, I get bored. I, I love UX design, but I think design is like even UX is, is, is just evolving. It's just changing. It happens so much more, so, so much outside of the world of the cell phone. And I, I just, I, I have so much to tell. So I see myself just being an entrepreneur. I hope one, uh, like saving enough to like open up a taco truck and also have a like tuna be that creativity factory that I wanted it to be. 
and as well as being able to design amazing, beautiful, crafted experiences. Oh, Tom Sachs, something like that. Let's put a little bit of Tom Sachs sprinkle on top of that mushy Oprah thing. <laughs> yeah, something. So, so basically, I, I, I want to be like, I want to explore, explore all of those things and be successful at it, you know? Uh, like you know, like like Charles Gambino, how like you hate him because he's like so good at everything and like all these different things. I want to be the Charles Gambino of designed and taco trucks. Yeah, those are four guests that we'd love to get on the show. So we'll work towards getting all four of that. I think Oprah might be a little busy, but um, she's definitely on, definitely on our list. But thank you so much for that for that unbelievable insight. I think that will resonate with a ton of people. It absolutely resonated with me. But I'll let Brendan bring it home because he's the king of intros and summaries. So, Brendan, tell, tell the people what we learned today. Yeah, man. I am super thankful for your time, Rock. The Rock! <laughs> your, 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 your handle is not This Is Rock to me. All right. So, guys, really what we went over from beginning to end, I really loved that we got to touch on some of Rock's background in regards to the hardships and really what has started his um, you know, journey as a person and just what he's been able to overcome through the different stages of his life. So first and foremost, I have to go back to that first, the two jobs that he was able to while in high school, because I don't, I just me, like, I don't know what I was doing in high school. I was complaining about pushing, putting my paintbrush on the canvas while he was out there doing two jobs, hustling and doing high school. And, you know, that was his second pivotal, you know, coming to the U.S. in between 10th and 12th grade, not knowing any English and be able to pivot so quickly to learn English and barely get through the door, sliding by with knowing no English, having other people on his, um, you know, in his classes, helping him push him through. And, you know, just through that, his hard hustler mentality, able to kill it, get scholarship to SCAD and then meet his lovely wife, Emmy, there. And, you know, through all this, you know, I think this first part of the podcast, I think it's extremely important to think about all the times and all the hardships that we've had and really think about what it is that has, what those moments have ingrained in us, whether it's, you know, the hustle, which in this case, you know, that one moment in that one thought rock where you were like, I don't want to stay here. I think that was a very pivotal moment and a mind change. And I think that those are the keys that allow us to open the door to the next section of our life. That was the catalyst that got you to your hustle stage to get into stad, kill it, to then when you first get into um, realizing that, okay, our portfolios aren't how wh what needs to match the market right now. So you did not care about doing the extra work to pivot your portfolio to match the market and therefore you know, be able to be in the room with your interviewer at Google and with, I think, like, I think that's super important. Like a lot of people and Ryan, this is why he pointed it out. A lot of people face the problem of, oh, my portfolio and what I do does not uh, fit the market. So I'm just going to sit here and wait. You didn't wait. And I think that's something I want people to hone in on. And the second piece is when Rock was in the room with the Google interviewer and the guy said, show me something that matters and you go for your sketchbook. The way the what I also, why I'm holding on this is that the way that you think is a lot more important. Your pro, the process of things are way more important than what you shoot out. 
okay? The way that you think, the way that you process is something that always is going to be, um, you know, something that you're always refining and that's what people really want to know and that's again what people want to understand from you when they're looking at your portfolio they're not looking at your work they're trying to get the inner workings of you as a person but just from the digital format of a web page a web page moving on to the google and facebook stage the main two learnings here guys is focusing on the small systems and really under yeah really those are the two things focusing on the small rock mentioned that Working at Google, work thinking about the small things. Small things have great impact to the end user, so therefore we really need to make sure that we are small and small detail oriented. And systems allow you to work faster. Those are the two main learning points there. And then moving into the tuna today, you know, I think, you know, all the skills that he learned at Facebook, at Google has really allowed him to, um, Actually, you know what? I'm going to just get to the end because I, my brain keeps telling me to go to the end. And the reason why is because I really, you know, out of everything, the two things are the two most important skills that he's learned throughout his entire journey. It's the problem solving and being far, being next to the edge of fear. And the reason I want to skip to this is because it really encompasses everything that we motherfucking talked about in this, this hour. <laughs> so I'm going to start with problem solving. The reason that problem solving is a very important skill, and even though that at face value we're taking it as it like, oh, every motherfucker says problem solving, learn to problem solve. But look at it like this. Learning how to take complex problems, turn it simple, and communicate that is extremely important. That's what problem solving is. To be able to distill a message and shoot that out to somebody else so that they have the small bites so that they can then bring, in, bring that simple message into them and then work something out of it at, in their own mind. A, a distilled message is you taking a tree, turning it back into a seed, and dropping it into somebody else so that they can fruit that tree back up in the moment, their own self and create understanding from that. Two. Um, actually, we're going to do three things here. Two is sketching. I really wanted to hone in on this because even though he said it, um, I think this is another layer in terms of importance. He uses sketching as a way to think, and I really relate to this, and I think you said it perfectly, and I don't think a lot of people... Um, I haven't even been able to say it myself. Sketching is a way to think fast, concretely, to also be able to communicate with somebody else. I feel like when I'm trying to talk, it's really scrambled until I touch paper. I'm like, this, arrow, this, carrot, carrot. I'm talking about a carrot. Uh, so find a way, not specifically sketching, but find a way to communicate to people or even yourself on paper concretely so that you and somebody else, whoever you're trying to communicate with, have something to latch onto and understand the message better. Sketching, um, this is why journaling works. It's just another way to think that is more concrete. So find a, I highly recommend a way to do that. Um, and lastly, being on the edge of fear. We talked about three things, being able to test yourself, basically growth and, um, actually it's two things, I just have three dots. <laughs> Find your fear, test yourself, and also through all that, you'll be able to have a great growth, opp great growth uh, opportunities. And I really feel with what you were saying in terms of I felt comfortable and then I went back to my fear zone and then now I'm just like a badass. I'm going up, a, 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 not even like a badass, but I feel confident. I feel like fear and overcoming that builds a lot of confidence. And um, I think because 
I th- not because I think a lot of people decide not to do fearful things and that causes in a lack of confidence doing practicing a lot of things or practicing multiple times and rehearsing something that creates confidence but also going up against your fears multiple times not only creates confidence but also once you get past the um, fearful stage you'll be able to refine that into um, you know something you're really good at but I think always being on the edge of fear allows you to or allows us as people to continuously learn grow and just be on our game I don't know yeah my 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 summary for me and that was that was spot on um was hustle do the little things right and always push yourself to feel slightly uncomfortable because when that that phase of in a job your career in life when you have a little bit of you know being uncomfortable is what typically is the vine that you can swing to the next big opportunity that'll take you to even an even better place so um this was one of my favorite episodes to date so thank you so much for joining as always um brandon bring it home thank the design fam community all right guys before i close it out rock where can we find you um you guys can find me in youtube at this is roke uh tuna media on youtube and this is roke on instagram have i been saying your name wrong this entire time um, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Come on, man. No, no, no. The thing is that you're saying it in the English way. You know, it's just, that's, that's the way. That's the way people in English say it. That's it. Uh, Roque, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Roque on YouTube. Uh, this is uh, Roque on Instagram and Tuna Media for those who speak Spanish and have like and are like the person who always fixing things on their family, like any technology thing. So I'm that. So I just want to. Take that away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can relate to that. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Design Huddle fam. <laughs> Do what you want. Explore and have fun. I'll see you later, my little Gambinos. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See you, everyone. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brennan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode.